to Energy 360 from the Energy and National Security Program at CSIS. I'm Sarah Ladislaw, Senior Vice President and Director of the Energy and National Security Program. This week, we're going to examine some of the important work being done on energy and development, specifically how institutions like the World Bank aim to tackle major global challenges like achieving universal energy access. As many of us know, the international community has made it a priority to ensure universal energy access by 2030 as part of the Sustainable Development Goals. With me today to discuss this is Ricardo Puliti from uh, the World Bank, who's Senior Director for Energy. Thanks for joining me, Ricardo. Sorry, it's a great pleasure. Great. There's a lot of substance to tackle um, in all of the things that the World Bank is doing to address energy access issues, sustainable development goals, climate change is an overarching priority. Um, I want to get to some of that, but just for a minute, you know, how did you come to the World Bank and what is your background? Oh, it's a very, very good question. I mean, I, how I came to the World Bank, I'm still asking myself the same question. <laughs> but I can tell you I'm extremely happy here. And that's the, the real point. You really you really think you are doing something which is impactful. I actually came from investment banking, believe it or not. So I started my career in France at Banque de Suez. Then I moved to London in Rothschilds. And then from London to the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, where I was the managing director in charge of energy instructives for basically Europe, Central Asia, and uh, the northern part of Africa. And then 22 months ago, I accepted the the challenge to, to become the head of energy destructives at the World Bank on a global basis. So that was what attracted me. And I have to say, I find the job very challenging, but very interesting. Um, so talking about this main goal, because, again, when you look at everything that the World Bank is doing on energy specifically, but then all the projects that you work on that touch on energy that have more to do with sort of development and poverty alleviation and all of those sorts of things, it's most easy to maybe take this from the sustainable development goal number seven perspective, which is you know increasing access, universal access by 2030, doubling the rates of energy efficiency, clean energy fuels. But also there's a very robust conversation about improving the access that people have, not just providing access, but improving. A lot of progress has been made over the last several years, but you know, by the bank's own estimates and, and uh, in studies, we're not quite on track for making those goals. So how would you characterize where the World Bank stands uh, in where, where the excuse me, where the global community stands on reaching those goals and how the World Bank is trying to assist in moving us faster? But I think Sarah, you started the, the question in the right thing in the right way. How do I characterize the, the work done by the World Bank in energy and allow me to say in extractives? Maybe we can yeah. have a word about that later. Sure. Uh, it is really about being trying to push to accelerate as much as possible on the delivery of the sustainable development goal number seven that you very rightly pointed out is access energy efficiency and renewables i have to say we are doing i'm happy to report that we are doing very very well on uh, from this viewpoint and and the the whole um, the whole department the whole group is very for the whole global practice is very focused in achieving that on access, just to start with access and just to start with basic access before going to reliability and all the rest. 
Uh, it is true what you said. If we continue with uh, what we're doing at the moment, uh, in 2030, we'll still be short by 600 million in order to get to the 1 billion that more or less is a dynamic number that don't have access to energy. So we have to, to accelerate. That's what we have done, if you want, in the last in the last uh, two years at the World Bank. So in the last four years, we have invested around uh, $3.6 billion in access, pure access. Just last year, we invested $1.4 billion. So as you can see, the acceleration is, is really picking up. It's something that uh, we are very much involved because it is one of our objectives. But I think, because we have to be honest, that we are also being helped by the development of technology. Mm -hmm. Technology is helping us from every conceivable viewpoint. So um, I have to report some good news. Then, you know, good news are... uh, Yeah, the glass can be (laughs) half full of of half empty. Uh, there is actually around 118 million persons per year get access nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, where we are still lagging behind are in regions like uh, sub-Saharan Africa and uh, Southern Asia, South Asia. Uh, but in both cases, I have to say, in the last three years, the rate of electrification is higher mm-hmm. than the um, demographic rate, growth rate. So it really means that little by little we're catching up. Are we happy? No, we're not. There is a lot of work to be done. But we can see a trend where we are uh, accelerating on on access. I have to say we are being very much helped by Technology, technology. I think technology and innovation in general is the real answer in the uh, in the energy sector. So, if you want, nowadays all of our all of our work is very much uh, everywhere. We we try to densify and extend uh, networks. We work off grid. We work on mini grid. We work on policy making in order to make sure that the uh, issue of access is probably is properly addressed. Uh, we work in the knowledge of technologies. We are working more and more about batteries and how how, how batteries and storage in general can help mm-hmm. to solve these uh, these big problems. So it is really uh, a kind of approach that takes five-pronged, I would say, that takes into account all of these in order to, to try to solve this particular problem. Can I, I want to talk to you about technology for a minute because you said you're giving a lot of credit to technological yes, advancement for right. helping. Is that, is that because you hear a lot about this narrative where a lot of the access issues were about bringing centralized electricity infrastructure to places where it just frankly didn't make a lot of cost-benefit analysis sense for utilities to extend that infrastructure to rural communities, lots of off-grid technologies that are available now and being prioritized to be deployed. Is that where you're seeing the most success or is it just because the costs have come down for these technologies or is it because the way that governments are thinking about deploying them is different? What, what do you think has really made the difference? I, I think we have, it is a combination of all the above, if you think. Think about a geospatial mapping. Nowadays, we're able, able to, to have a mapping made by satellites on where the best resources are, where to, to design, to, to build a transmission lines and all the rest. Think about the level of smart grid nowadays, transmission lines, that you have far less losses. They're easier to maintain. So if you want, this is a whole 
a world of innovation in energy, which is trickling down little by little. I think a big one of the big work of the World Bank it is to be sure that we are able to to share this knowledge as quick as possible with with governments. We are able to make them understand that uh, actually technical innovation is just helping them in everything they do. And actually, one day we really hope that uh, we will be out of business, and all of this can be done by the private sector. I think this would be the great thing for the World Bank. Is it easily achievable? No, it is not. I tell you immediately. But that's what we have to thrive uh, to. That's what we have to do. Uh, in, and then you you see you have fantastic examples. For example, I mean the problem of access is not only rural; it's also uh, in urban areas. For example, in Kenya, we've been working there on pay, um, uh, paper use kind of uh, mobile telephony uh, equipment, which works very 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 well. Mm-hmm. And in this way, we've been able to to have better energy access in uh, urban areas that are not. Uh, among the, the the richest, I have to say, in terms of rural uh, access, of course, mini grid, off grid, uh, are making uh, are making access far easier to provide, and as you rightly said, at more affordable prices. Mm-hmm. Batteries for us are, or battery storage, or if you want, electrochemical storage is really the next uh, the next big thing for us. We're pushing a lot for that, and uh, I think that's that's really key. So you have to. As I said, you have to have a kind of uh, approach that allows you to use all the instruments that you have in your in your weaponry, if I may say. You mentioned that knowledge is one of the things that you have to bring to bear to the yes. way you're working with governments. How, it, where where does that play out uh, in the most promising ways? So, for example, is it about how to set up regulatory structures? Is it about helping them think about financing these projects? Is it a broader conversation just about what these newer types of technologies are and how to incorporate them into their existing, you know, on the electricity side, electric power sector. Where where do you think you, you guys are, are working with governments in the most productive ways? Listen, uh, I would say with governments is certainly to to devise and implement the right policies with the right incentives so that you can develop um, clean energy for access as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you ask me to, to say only one word, I would say that that word would be planning. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we know is many times at utility level is that planning is is poor, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. So how, how do you want to incorporate new technology when you have basic problems in devising a power system. So this is where, where what we try to do. We try to help a lot utilities. We have to help them from a technological viewpoint to be able to receive uh, new technologies in their, in their work, and we help them from a financial viewpoint. Many of these utilities are not credit worthy, mm-hmm. so they cannot invest often, they cannot even maintain, and last but not least, they cannot even be used as of taker for the private sector to come into the country because they're not credit worthy. Mm-hmm. So this is a big work to be done on that, and I would say planning uh, credit worthiness of the utilities and uh, um, a proper uh, action on policy making, both for um, large urban areas and rural areas, I think is really key for this. Really key, and I have to say, I'm I'm always 
pleasantly surprised by the fantastic work, work that the World Bank does. And I'm, I'm not a real World Banker. I just arrived 22 <laughs> You're months ago. You're new enough. You can say that, uh, right? <laughs> yes, I can say it without looking arrogant and, and all the rest. But for example, through better planning of the utility in a country like Rwanda, the World Bank has been able to move the uh, the gouge of, uh, of access from 10% to 30% in four years. I mean, it is something that you are really pleasantly surprised. So things can be done many times. They are not very big, and you need a lot of intensity to move the the needle, but it can be done. There's a perception um, that because the the UN and, and multilateral development banks, and, and indeed a lot of players at a very strategic level globally, have incorporated both the need to reduce emissions and the need to solve this energy sure. access issue, that there are inherent conflicts there, right? So that uh, and, and that maybe some of the countries that you work with don't necessarily want clean energy or renewable energy or batteries or microgrids or those things. They want something that looks much more traditional, fossil-based energy generation, centralized electricity systems. Are you finding that – is that a is that sort of a, 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 a very um, – divided conversation that's happening here in Washington and not really one that you're seeing play out in the region? Or do you have to engage in conversations about how maybe uh, those cost-benefit analysis in the countries where you're working about the energy choices they make and how they contribute to both the development in that country, but then also these other global global challenges? But I think, yeah, I mean, this is uh, obviously, it's a kind of... Um, laziness in thinking. I mean, I think all of us have a comfort zone, something we've always done in the past. We know it works and it becomes a little bit difficult to do something new. I think it belongs to human beings in general, wherever they are. So uh, it's, it's true it's easier to always think on the supply side, build a big power station, uh, gas-fired, and then densify the grid and so on and so forth. We have to be honest. We have been doing this for 30 years. We still have 1 billion people without electricity. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't work perfectly. So you have to have, that's what the point I was making before, you have to think about planning. You have to think about the future. We have to think about to incorporate those innovations that are actually very affordable in your energy mix. And I have to say, you would be surprised how all the countries are very, very ready to listen, then some of them are better at implementing it in new policies, in new planning. Others, they lag a little bit behind. And often is a problem of institutional capacity to, to pass from the devising moment to the implementation moment. But I have to say there isn't a conflict between the two things. There are cases where only fossil fuels can be used. I'm thinking about, I used to to live in Russia and you think about uh, Siberia, I mean, you don't have any solar irradiation. There is no wind. Biomasses would be a disaster. So uh, uh, hydro is not possible because it's all flat. So you, you, there are places where human beings live where we have to go in the traditional way. But the vast majority of the places where human beings live have the possibility to change. And I have to say, many of them, they're doing it. Is it for tomorrow? No, it's not for tomorrow, but we have to accelerate it because we cannot be complacent like we've been in the past, being in what it's the comfort zone. I've always done this. I don't want to do something different. No, we have to. 
we have to change. Mm. You mentioned the extractive side of your portfolio. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about what's what the big initiatives in, uh, are that you're working uh, on? Absolutely. You may remember that uh, our president made a declaration on the 12th of December uh, that we will not finance in the future uh, upstream oil and gas. Mm. I think it's fair, to be honest. We've always done very, very little debt. Uh, I think it's better done by the private sector. Mm -hmm. They're better to assess what is the risk of having stranded assets. It's their job. And uh, it is their job to, to design very well what they're doing, to see what uh, what is the reaction from their shareholders and their consumers, to their from their stakeholders in general. And I have to say... You would be surprised how oil and gas companies are very attentive to to make sure they're not going to end up with stranded assets. Many of them actually do have uh, big uh, renewables um, departments, divisions, mm -hmm. subsidiaries. Mm -hmm. uh, what are we going? We will continue to certainly do do some. Uh, uh, downstream in uh, in gas, whenever, especially in large cities where we think that gas can be used together with renewables to uh, deliver a good the quality of service. But we think that little by little uh, we are moving more and more towards systems where uh, in electrical uh, generation, frankly speaking, um, fossil fuels will, are becoming less and less important. Mm -hmm. They will remain important in certain manufacturing activities. Think about cement, think about steel, think about any any energy where you need to to have the heat go up very, very, very quick. Mm -hmm. uh, they will remain important in transport. But I think that in electricity, we'll see uh, quite of an acceleration of the phasing out of, of fossil fuels. So that's what we are trying to do. Uh, we're also trying to, we are trying to do another thing which I judge extremely important, which is to work with countries to make sure that their endowment, their natural resources endowment, is not just thrown away. So we try to help them on revenue management. We try to help them in transparency. We try to help them in negotiating with counterparts because there is a gap between the private and the public. So we think what we like to do Maybe it's your last shot. So let's try to do it well and let's try to do it fair and let's try to do it in a way that we observe uh, the best possible way to protect the, the environment. Mm -hmm. That's very important for us. So, so less bank involvement in upstream oil and gas development. No involvement. No involvement in oil and gas development. Involvement on capacity building, on management of everything in yeah. the countries. But you are working with representatives from the private sector, oil and gas companies included, on things like gas flaring reduction, other yes. things like carbon leadership, you know, programs and things like that. So a shift in focus into how you work. Yes, we've things. always been very, very strong in uh, gas flaring reduction. To be honest, the Secretariat of yeah. Gas Flaring Reduction has always been housed by the World Bank. Now we are working even more in methane reduction, which yeah. is another big problem. So we are very much involved with uh, with the oil and gas companies to to reduce also the the amount of methane mm -hmm. and then i would like to say another thing mm -hmm. extractics is not only oil and gas it's yeah. also mining yeah. so we had a fantastic study prepared around one year ago if i'm right the first of a series of three where we made the point between the link between the uh, metals and uh, min and mining vis-a-vis mm -hmm. -vis climate change mm -hmm. so the usual thing thinking about what kind of materials are going to be needed to accelerate what we are doing now, uh, how scarce they are, how 
in trying to do the right in trying to do the right thing, i.e., to accelerate the move towards clean energy, we are actually creating problem on the other side. I mean, too much mining, mining not done with the best possible uh, practices. So we we work on that a lot, a lot as well. And of course, recycling. I mean, are we thinking that we are just using things once? No. No. Right. Yeah. So uh, you've been at the bank for 22 months. It's long enough that you can be new and compliment all of the good work that you're meeting by your colleagues. But it's also, uh, it's, I'm sorry, it's short enough that you can do all of that. But it's long enough that you also ha- have some plans that you've put in place and things that you're excited about. What are the next two years, the world, the work of the bank, you know, just over the next couple of years, what are you going to focus on uh, for meeting some of these? But subjects? listen, uh, we're going to focus on one thing, which is making sure that we can attract more and more the private sector to yeah. in our projects. I, w- I always like to say I would like to attract them, but also to retain them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see, if it's possible, private sector coming for the quick back and then leaving without a work well done. Mm-hmm. I think there is a responsibility also there for the private sector. So we want the private sector to come to many countries, to remain, and to and to do what they do very, very well, to bring this efficiency, this uh, uh, kind of uh, will to do things in uh, in a quick way and well done. I think they have a lot to apportion to, to many of these countries. So certainly working on the right policies, working on the right incentives, working on the creditworthiness of utilities, I was saying before, working on best practices in mining, these are all elements towards trying to attract more and more the private sector in order to deliver, ultimately, the SDG 7. Mm-hmm. We have to be a little bit humble. Uh, with public money, we will not get there. Mm-hmm. So we need to have the private sector to be there, and we need the, the kind of private sector that go there in order to make a, the right amount of profit that allow the shareholders to be happy, but also the receiving countries to, to have a fair deal. This is something that, for me, is very, very, very important. Well, Ricardo, I think you're exactly right. I mean, they're very large challenges. They require coordination and cooperation from everybody. And I just want to congratulate you on the work that you guys are doing at the bank. I think not only are you helping to advance the ball, but the information that you make public and possible for people to track the progress and highlight strategic issues. It's really it's really quite important contribution. I listen, Sarah, I mean, first of all, a big thank you. And I agree with you. I don't want to deny that when I arrived, I even myself, I didn't understand it very, very well. I come more from a, an operational background. But then little by little, you understand that all this knowledge product that they, the bank produces are not just to put in a, on a shelf or to be read by a very, very small amount of people working in academia. They are actually very, very good instruments that can be used for the future. I was, for example, pleasantly surprised by uh, there is an instrument called RISE, which is uh, uh, assessing the legal and regulatory framework for development of the sustainable goals. Fantastic. If I knew it when I was more in the private sector, I think it's incredibly useful. It it allows you not to go in 25 different places. You find all the information there. I have to say I'm a big fan of, I can still say, I suppose. Well, we are as well. We're in the business of public education. We use the resources all the time. We commend it to everybody listening to the podcast. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us, Ricardo. I appreciate you, you taking the time today. It's always a great pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me, actually. Great. Thank you. You've been listening to Energy 360.